0: Breaking Now on the Media Grounds Podcast. Remembering Who Downs, a legendary news broadcaster and the founding voice in modern American media. The Stonewall Jackson Monument is not standing high anymore. The path under the Sea, Murray Monument, is not in place anymore. The Mississippi State Flag has now retired. There's new laws in the Commonwealth. Broadway shut down in New York City until 2021. And celebrating the 4th, how Independence Day landed on the 4th, and how we lost three presidents but gained an upcoming one all on the same day. Today is Saturday, July 4th. The news begins now. Good day and welcome to this episode of Meter Grimes. In today's broadcast, I will share some of the latest national headlines, entertainment news, trending stories, sports, and have a historical look back dealing with the 4th of July. But first, we have several breaking stories to cover, which includes some deaths. The first has to do with a legendary newscaster, the founding voice in modern American media, who sadly passed away Wednesday night at the age of 99. Who Downs, a resident of Scottsdale, Arizona, who had a career span of more than 60 years hosting slash anchoring shows like Concentration, 2020, The Today Show, and being the announcer for Tonight Starring Jack Parr. Who was on today from 1962 to 1971? Who was also the one that pushed for Barbara Walters to be promoted from a writer to an on-air anchor. He also anchored 2020 in ABC News Magazine, also joined by Barbara, from 1978 until his retirement in 1999. In 1985, he set the record for the greatest number of hours on network commercial television at 15,188 hours in the Genius Book Award records. Sadly... Regis Philbin beat that record in 2004. Who is preceded in death by his wife of 75 years, who died in 2017. Who leaves behind his two children, a brother, two grandchildren, and four great grandchildren. Today, we remember the life of the founding voice in modern American media, Who Downs, who died Wednesday at the age of 99. Someone else who died this week was a longtime coach in the NFL. Joe Bugel died Sunday at the age of 80. Joe began his career as an NFL coach for the Washington Redskins. In 1981, when Joe Gibbs was the head coach, Bugel was the offensive line coach. In 1990, he became the head coach for the Cardinals and coached in Phoenix until 1993. Several years later, for the 1997 season, Brugel became the head coach of the Raiders before he was fired. Then, from 2004 until his retirement in 2009, he was the head coach of the Washington Redskins. In a statement by Cardinals owner, Michael Bidwell, Joe Brugel impacted so many people. In his 80 years of life, in nearly 50 coaching football. Our hearts go out to every one of them, but especially his wife Brenda and the entire Brugo family. His accomplishments as one of our sports's truly legendary coaches speak for themselves. But the first thing I think of is how he lived his life and the kind of quality human being the Brugo was we join all of those who today celebrate his remarkable life and mourn his passing today we remember the life of a longtime legendary football coach in the NFL joe brugo who died sunday at the age of 80 we will be right back for more breaking stories welcome back our attention go now to the monuments beginning with the Stonewall-Jackson Confederate Statute. It has come down at the Flying High since its erection in October 1919. In the afternoon of July 1st, when new laws took effect in the Commonwealth and the start of Phase 3, the Reopening Virginia Plan, the Stonewall-Jackson Confederate Statute was taken down after about three hours. Hours before that moment, the mayor of Richmond, Laval Stoney, made the call that he wasn't going to wait two months and that the process of removal began ASAP after the city council met virtually. As what the local news station said, the crowd they saw this past Wednesday was similar to the crowd when the statue was first erected in 1919. Governor Northam issued a statement that said, A monumental day in Richmond that begins the important process of removing these painful symbols of our past. Thank you, next. This was truly a momentous occasion. I am so glad to witness history before my eyes on television. Next, we go to the Matthew Murray Statute. July 2nd, 2020. As of 10.04 a.m., the Murray Statute was removed. Matthew Murray was an oceanographer, a Virginian born in Spotsylvania, who served in the Confederate Navy and had a contested history. The contested history has to do with how he wanted to move slavery to another part of the world instead of ending it. But he was also known as the Pathfinder of the Sea. In his left hand, he held sea charts, and in his right, he held a compass. Even though Murray was tied to the Confederacy, He did a lot when it came to weather, oceanography, marine life, etc. It has been up for 90 years, 7 months, and 21 days, on what we know today as Monument Avenue. It was conceived in the winter of 1912, erected splash cornerstone on June 22, 1922, and the statue itself went up on November 11, 1929, as the fifth monument on the avenue. The globe will remain for now. We will have more on the history behind the monuments later in our Moment in History segment set the air July 18th. Another breaking story that broke this week comes from the state of Mississippi. Mississippi's state flag was one that included the Confederate flag. In the days after Walmart announced that they were not displaying the flag anymore, the state legislature voted Sunday, 91-23, to 23, the House, and 37-14, the Senate, to remove the Confederate battle emblem from its flag, which was a symbol that had flown for more than 120 years. Several days later, this past Tuesday, Republican Governor Tate Reeves signed the bill just as he promised in a tweet from just last Saturday that said the following, The legislature has been deadlocked for days, as it considers a new state flag. The argument over the 1894 flag has become as divisive as the flag itself, and it is time to end it. If they send me the bill this weekend, I will sign it. This was momentous because it was an issue that popped up many times in the past, but failed each time. This flag is now retired after 126 years. The next step for Mississippi is the takedown of all flags in its state and setting up a commission to design a new one that voters will vote in November. This new design will include In God We Trust and No Confederate Battle Emblem. If voters don't like the design, it goes back to the commission to be redesigned and then back to the voters. When we come back, there are some other stories of the week to report. Welcome back. Let's begin in the Commonwealth, where on June 29th, in a tweet, Attorney General Herring said that the mask mandate was upheld in court. This was the 10th time the Commonwealth won defense of the COVID safety measures. Also in the tweet, Herring reinforced the importance of wearing a mask by saying, Wearing a mask is such an easy way to keep yourselves and others protected and everyone should be doing it. So, in conclusion, everyone please wear a mask while out in public. Next, we continue to remain in the Commonwealth, where according to Virginia Pride, Pride Fest was sadly canceled due to COVID, making it only the second time in 40 years that Richmond did not have a Pride event. Pride Fest was supposed to be on September 26th, which would have drawn crowds of 40,000 people. Virginia Pride told WTVR, the CBS affiliate in Richmond, that the cancellation was made out of an abundance of caution and concern for the safety of the artists, volunteers, vendors, patrons, and sponsors. We will be right back to take a look at some of the new laws passed by the General Assembly, which took effect on July 1st. Welcome back to a new segment that takes a look at the new laws in the Commonwealth, which took effect on July 1st. Let's begin with House Bill 972slash Senate Bill 2. This discriminates simple marijuana. The penalty went from a fine of $500 and a maximum 30 day jail sentence to just a civil penalty of no more than $25. Next, we go to House Bill 66 which places a price cap of $50 a month in which insurers can charge. Next, minimum wage, otherwise known as House Bill 395 slash Senate Bill 7. This bill, which was signed on July 1st, 2020, won't go into effect until May of 2021. Minimum wage will first increase to $9.50 from $7.50 on May 1st. Then to $11 at the beginning of 2022, $12 at the beginning of 2023, $13.50 at the beginning of 2025, and $15 at the beginning of 2026. Next up is the replacement of Lee Jackson Day with Election Day as a state holiday. The bill that does this is House Bill 108 slash Senate Bill 601. The last bill in the segment will be House Bill 1250, otherwise known as the Community Policing Act. So when you are pulled over, the officer is now required to ask for your race, age, gender, and ethnicity. The reason is because they have to put the data in a database. In a statement, Delegate Luke Torian of the 52nd House District to NBC12 says WWBT, that aired on 12 News Today on July 2nd, We don't want to be involved and there be accusations of bias-based policing. And so we want to get rid of that impression and inception that that's out there. And one of the ways to do that is to collect the data. Even if the driver refuses to give the information, the officers still have to record it and base it on observation. For more laws, please visit my blog. JoshGrinds19.blogspot.com We will be right back for some entertainment news. Welcome back to the Media Grounds podcast and our entertainment news segment. The first story in this segment focuses on Broadway. On June 29th, the disappointing announcement was made that due to COVID, the shutdown was extended into early 2021. Originally, it was set to April 12th, then to June 7th, and then to September 6th. Now we won't have any Broadway until at least January 3rd, 2021, meaning no Broadway in 2020. But the good news is, as of July 3rd, Hamilton is now available on Disney+, Plus just in time for the holiday weekend. Another story deals with the Cirque du Soleil. Also on June 29th, they announced that they filed for Chapter 15 bankruptcy. The link for more information will be on my blog. Finally, we're remembering Carl Reiner. Carl Reiner, a comedy legend of the Dick Van Dyke show and The Jerk, sadly died June 29th at the age of 98. Carl's career spanned seven decades. It began in 1945 in Broadway musicals like Inside the USA, Alive and Kicking, and Called Me Mister. Through the years, Carl was a comedian, actor, author, and director in front and behind the camera. He served in the military in World War II after getting drafted in 1942, before doing on-air skits in 1950 during the show Your Show Shows, which broadcasted in the early 1950s. Carl appeared on the Steve Allen Show in the 1960s, directed and appeared in the film The Jerk, 1979, and so many other shows, specials, and movies. Most recently, Carl voiced in Toy Story 4 in 2019 as Carl. Carl also received honors, earned a Grammy, and many Emmys. Carl was born on March 20, 1922. Carl married his wife, actress Estelle Lee Boast, in 1943. They were married for 65 years. He still passed in 2008 at the age of 94. Carl leaves behind his three children, Rob, Annie, and Lucas. Today we remember the comedic legend Carl Reiner who died Monday at the age of 98. Some other entertainment headlines I've been following this week will be on the blog. Those include a Disney crossover event set for July twenty fourth with Ravens Home and Bunt, How America's Got Talent is Returning Into Production, The Winnings from the Daytime Emmy Awards, The Something in the Water Festival, The Return of Sunday Best for Season 10 on July 5th, and the new Phoenix and Ferb movie, Candace Against the Universe, have a release date of August 28th on Disney Plus. We will be right back for What's Trending. Welcome back to the Media Grounds podcast and our trending segment, where we will cover some trending stories around the nation. Let's begin in Virginia, where it's that time of season again. Bears are coming out looking for food. One family in Charlottesville got to see one up close in their own backyard. The full video will be on the blog. Let's turn to Costco, where as of June 29th, they aren't selling the famous half sheet cakes. Back in May, Costco quietly stopped the selling of their $20 half sheet cakes that have been a centerpiece for many celebrations like graduation and birthdays. If you're looking for a half sheet cake that typically serves 50 people, Yukon Bakery, Walmart, Harris Teeter, Publix, and Wegmans are still selling them. Next we turn to Spirit Halloween, which is a nationwide store that typically opens for the Halloween season. According to WTOL, there was a post on Facebook circulating about Spirit Halloween not opening for 2020. That post was fake. On the company's Facebook page, they wrote the following. Dear Halloween fans, we heard you're crushed, disheartened, and downright sad. Well, don't worry. The rumors aren't true. We are back, and we got you covered. We are safely preparing the best in store experience possible and can't wait to welcome you back at our 1,400 locations nationwide. Popping up in August. It's been a challenging year, but we promise to keep the Halloween spirit alive. Come early, come often, and help make this year the hashtag best Halloween ever. Next, we turn to UCLA where they have developed a glove that translates sign language into speech in real time. Jun Chen at the UCLA Samuel School of Engineering said, Our hope is that this opens up an easier way for people who use sign language to communicate directly with non-signers without needing someone else to translate for them. In addition, we hope it can help more people learn sign language themselves. The research may be found in a journal called Nature Electronics. Lastly, we turn to Houston, Texas, where an 11-year-old boy ran a mile to honor an injured officer just last Saturday, June 27th. This happened at the Houston Police Training Academy. This mile was part of the boy's non-profit organization called Running for Heroes, which raises awareness to injured or fallen police officers. The boy started this at age 8. Along with the run, he presented the Houston Police Department with a $5,000 check. On the department's Facebook page, they wrote a thank you message to the 11-year-old boy and the officer injured. We will be right back for some sports. In sports, we begin with minor league baseball, where on June 30th, the 2020 season was officially canceled. For a closer look at how this impacts the Flying Squirrels, here's a story Brent Solomon, a reporter, did on NBC 12, new at 11.
1: For so many, it's the highlight of the season. It's the sights, the sounds, the smells. Baseball at the diamond with the Richmond Flying Squirrels front and center. But not in 2020. Here's the announcement posted on the Minor League Baseball's Twitter account. This is the first time in our history that we've had a summer without baseball. You can thank COVID-19. I spent a lot of time on the phone this afternoon with our players from all across the country. Todd Parnell is the vice president of the Flying Squirrels. Well, that's what they do. You know, and they're not able to do it. The big league guys are going to be able to do it. But the guys that are trying to get to the big leagues, sad reality is probably the two words that go together in this case. Even fans can relate. So I'm sad that we will not be able to have that experience this summer. It's always fun and laid back. And um, it's nice that we have something like this in Richmond to come to. In my 31-year baseball career, June 30th, 2020, will go down probably as the saddest day Uh, or one of the saddest days, just because uh, we're going to miss everything. So here's to 2021. There's no doubt in my mind that 2021, the hot dogs are going to taste better. The beer's going to be colder and better. uh, The Pepsis are going to be great. There are brighter days ahead, folks. And I'm going to cry a bunch of tears tonight, but there are brighter days ahead of having fun and going nuts. On your side, Brent Solomon, NBC12.
0: That was Brent Solomon reporting. And Now onto to some breaking news just coming into the newsroom that is heartbreaking for some viewers. Former Philadelphia Phillies pitcher Tyson Brumett and three others died in a plane crash just before 8 a.m. Friday in rural Utah. According to the Associated Press, a witness said that the plane went into a downward port screw motion as it crashed. Tyson Brummett, a former LLB baseball player of Salt Lake City, died at the age of 35. Finally, for the 100th anniversary of the Negro Leagues, former Presidents Bill Clinton, George W. Bush, and Barack Obama unite in a tip-in-your-hat campaign that pays tribute to the Negro Leagues, which existed from 1920 until the early 1960s. 35 Hall of Famers, including Jackie Robinson, and Josh Gibson were produced by the league. According to NBC10 in Philadelphia, the league began because racism and Jim Crow laws prevented black players from playing major league baseball. The campaign will continue until opening day on July 23rd. We will be right back for a historical flashback. In today's moment of history, I have three things. Firstly, we will look at how Independence Day ended up being on July 4th, according to the Constitution Center in Philadelphia. Next, we will look at how Virginia got its name. Finally, we will look at the three presidents who died and the one that was born on the same day. 244 years ago, Independence Day was marked when the draft of the Declaration of Independence was approved and signed in Philadelphia. We learned that this declaration was when we declared freedom from Great Britain, but that did not happen on the 4th. When freedom was declared two days prior on July 2nd, they needed to draft a document. That's when the 4th comes in. When the 8th came, this declaration was read by Colonel John Nixon to the public for the first time in what we know as Independence Square. 192 years earlier, Virginia received its name. Find out more on NBC12's How We Got Here podcast. The embedded link will be on the blog. Lastly, exactly 50 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed, which was 1826, two of the nation's presidents passed away. Thomas Jefferson was the first, 12.50 p.m., at age 83, at his home in Virginia, and John Adams was the second, at age 90, at his home in Massachusetts, soon after. According to the KQED article, the reported last words of Adams was, Thomas Jefferson still survives, not knowing that his friend passed away before he did. John's son, John Quincy Adams, called the timing visible and palatable remarks of divine favor. Also according to the KQED article, Senator Daniel Webster said in a eulogy one month later, They were proofs that our country and its benefactors are objects of his, meaning God's care. Then five years later, 1831, at age 73, James Monroe, this time not in his own home but at his daughter's home, died of TB. There are so many odd parallels between our presidents, now 45 of them, that goes unnoticed. The link to the article, where it's all laid out, will be on the blog. The one president that ended up being born on this day is our 3rd years president, Calvin Coolidge. It was 1872, 46 years after the first two presidents died, 41 years after the third died, and 96 years after the Declaration of Independence was signed. Calvin was born in Vermont. Calvin did not become president until 1923, finishing up his terms in 1929, several months prior to the Great Depression. For the story I was planning to do tonight on how COVID affected the 4th of July holiday, please visit the blog. We will be right back for a closing message. Welcome back for our closing message. Let's turn to Stafford, Regina, where there is a clever road sign that says, You're not a firework. Don't drive lit. Reminding folks to make safe decisions this 4th of July holiday and weekend. Thank you for listening on this Saturday. Be safe and I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day and safe holiday weekend. This has been a Media Grounds podcast. Come back on July 18th and August 1st for more news, inspiring stories, and history.